You are listening to the seventh episode of Mike McCurry Live. This podcast is my opportunity to talk to friends and some unfamiliar folks about ministry, about a walk with God, about missions, about evangelism, about all kinds of different things. And you have the opportunity to listen in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. This is number seven with Pastor Jeremy Houston. Had a good time speaking to him, and I hope it's helped you like it was to me. Three, two, and one. And we are live again. Mike McCurry live with Brother Jeremy Houston. This is number seven, number of uh, perfection. It's it's a special number, but I appreciate you coming on, Brother Houston, taking time out of your day. And you have a... Uh, every- all pastors have a busy schedule. I understand that, but you have a busy schedule. And so I appreciate that. But for just a moment, would you just howdy with the folks? Uh, tell us who you are, where you're from. Someone that has no idea who you are, 50 to 100 words or so. I'm Jeremy Houston. Uh, my wife is Jessica. We met at Providence Baptist College and got married in 2004. Graduated in 2005, went to work at my home church in Jefferson City, Missouri as an assistant pastor and youth pastor. And uh, during that time, the Lord really burdened my heart to come back to Northern Illinois where we'd met and start a church. So in 2009, uh, we came back. So we'll be celebrating 10 years in September of Foundation Baptist Church. And uh, we have four children and one on the way. Uh, We have two boys, two girls, and one girl on the way. So the girls are happy about the tiebreaker. And... uh, we also have a girl dog. So with my wife, the girls and the girl dog, us boys are feeling outnumbered. I know um, what that's like. <laughs> Three to one in my house. I guess you do. <laughs> so we're, we're excited. God's been really good to us. Um, we started from scratch and uh, didn't really know what we were doing. Still not sure that we know what we're doing. Um, but God has been va- very faithful and we're excited about the journey. Um, I know that's a kind of a buzzword. I don't like that buzzword, actually. <laughs> we're, sure. we're excited about the journey that he's taken us on to bring us to this place. And um, I, I'm, I'm just passionate about following God, serving him. Uh, I was raised in a preacher's home. And my dad's been a, a pastor or now evangelist for uh, 31 years. And um, for the four years before that, he was a Christian school teacher and worked on staff at a church in Festus, Missouri. So um, I'm, I'm a ministry kid since I was one year old. And so um, I, I, it's not that I don't know anything but the ministry, but I love the ministry. And I'm grateful for Amen. it. I'm grateful that God called me to preach and um that I finally surrendered. I know that you're not supposed to fight God. You're supposed to submit. Um, but I did have to kind of go through the battle for a few years. And then uh, I'm so grateful that I did submit to him. And um, it's been a wonderful life. Amen. Amen. Now, not to jump straight into it, but I, I think both our mindsets, and it's kind of where we're both at uh, mentally and mental space. So you, you just a, something you said there, You've been doing it for 10 years, still not sure if you know what you're doing. And it, it ties into a comment that you made on, I think, on a broadcast with Brother Alvin or something like that. Uh, uh, Alvin, Calvin Allen um, uh, on Saturday, something about remaining teachable. One of the you know best qualities that might have been that broadcast or another. Mm-hmm, but um, so that's awesome. I mean, you've been doing it for now. You're getting to double digits and you're still like 
I have no idea, no idea what I'm doing. I'm doing the best I can, but I, but you're still willing to admit that because um, there's a lot of first year guys right out of Bible college that know exactly what they're doing, um, haven't been doing it at all. And so I did you, too. I did too at that sure, time. Sure, <laughs> it, it, you, I knew everything. I knew right? everything then. Right. So <laughs> where for you was the uh, the break point where you, when you realized I don't know what I don't know, or or the super gradual process, or was there a cliff where you're like, man, I have no idea what's going on. Honestly, I don't. I, I, I joke and say that I knew everything at that point. Sure. Um, I left. I left Bible college. I was a missions major. Um, my junior year of college, I really felt very compelled that I should not go into foreign missions, but that I needed to focus on um, establishing ministry in the United States. I know that. That. I mean, I was talking to my then girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time. And I said, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me why I feel the Lord would have me to be in America when 90% of the preachers, you know, minister here. Uh, Why, why should I stay here? You know, why shouldn't I go to, at the time I was looking to go to Europe and, you know, why shouldn't I be involved in um, reaching out to people who've never had an opportunity to hear the gospel? Um, And honestly, I don't know that I can, give an answer to that um, except the fact that the United States is like the world's fifth largest unreached mission field when you take into consideration the number of people that live here the number of people who don't claim any type of religious background at all um, it's a huge mission field and especially the Chicagoland area where we are um, it's shocking to me that pretty much in order to get to an independent Baptist church that preaches out of the King James and um, has uh, a biblical philosophy of ministry, you got to drive 45 minutes to an hour to find them in between. There's nothing in between most of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm shocked, to be honest, that Fairhaven Baptist College, Providence Baptist College, and Howes Anderson College have all been in this greater Chicagoland area for all these years. And there's very few churches that have been started. I know of several um, that have been started probably from each Mm-hmm. Place, sure, uh, but not not enough. Sure. Not enough. We're talking about nine plus million people that live in the Chicagoland area. Right. So our church is fairly small. Most of the churches that I know are, are smallish, and um, but we still got to reach people. And it's sad to me that, I mean, I'm grateful for the people in our church that drive 45 minutes to you know 30 30 to 45 minutes to get to church. Um, but they're newer Christians that honestly, if they could have been reached 15, 20 years ago, it would have been great. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's not, somebody's not going to drive 45 minutes to get saved, usually. usually um, yeah. And usually you're not going to have a soul winner that can go that far on a general, you know, normal basis and get anybody to then get saved and then drive that far um, to get to church. Um, I mean, when somebody's saved, when somebody is a lover of truth and wants to know, that they're in a doctrinal church, they'll drive a lot farther, but it's sad to me that they have to. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the, the difficulty in um, becoming surrendered and just fully submitting. Was that before feeling possibly burdened with missions and international missions, or was that from missions transferring to home, I'll call it home missions or whatever you want to call it. You're fine. No, you're fine. Uh, you were talking about remaining teachable and, and figuring out to go places, and I didn't finish. Um, I was uh, eight or nine years old, and I heard a um, 
a good lesson and a story. It's kind of a tearjerker about missions. And I really felt burdened at the time to go into missions and felt the call to preach. Um, but between being eight and nine and uh, 12 and 13, we had a huge church split. And um, my dad was talked bad about. Um, our family went through a lot of difficult times. And so I just, um, about age 11 or 12, just said, I'm not putting my family through this. I don't want to, I don't want to serve God if this is what it all entails. Um, but what it came down to is God never did me wrong. Right. If people do you wrong, um, they're people. That's what people do. People are sinners. Um, but just over time, as my parents prayed for me, and as I continued to listen to preaching and honestly try to remain teachable, even during a time of rebellion, um, the Lord broke through. And when I was 14 years old, um, I did. I, I, I broke at a missions conference and surrendered to preach and um, went to college with an aspect of our expectation of, of probably finishing college, going to uh, Croatia, which is where my great grandfather was from. And uh, just really had a burden for Croatia. I always, always have, still do, um, but I don't feel burdened to go there myself personally. But we do support a missionary there, which, you know, isn't enough. <laughs> but sure. uh, but it is it is something that um, is exciting to me that we're able to support somebody that, that is in that land that I really felt a burden for. And at the, the same time, when I, when I um, it was junior year, God Save America con annual conference was, the national conference was at Northwest Bible Baptist Church. And uh, Tony Hudson was preaching. I honestly don't know what he was preaching on, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> just I, because the Lord just started burning me early on in the service. Um, and I just, I was sitting next to Jessica and I looked at her at the invitation. I said, look, I, I really feel like God wants me to be here in America. Does that change anything? Because she was a missions major too. She said, I don't know. I said, well, just so you know, I really feel like God wants me to stay here. Um, so from that point, you know, I was kind of looking for an opportunity to go to a church, be full time. Um, and really, I mean, we felt, I felt like growing up in a pastor's home that I knew a lot of the challenges and the hard things. I kind of knew what I was getting into, eyes wide open going into ministry. Um, but I went and worked for my dad for free um, for a while. And then he put me on staff, um, still really low pay. Um, but I worked on staff there at Central in Jeff City for four years. Um, and then um, really just was burdened for coming back to uh, McHenry County, McHenry, Crystal Lake, Cary, uh, really the area that we're in right now. Um, and we started praying to the end that the Lord would um, either send somebody else to start a church here or that he would open up the door for us. And uh, we did have some help. Um, quite a few people joined in and supported us. We probably never had more than a third of the support that we needed. Um, I've, I've been bivocational for now about 10 years doing that. I was also bivocational for a good portion of the time that I was in uh, Missouri. Um, but the um, aspect of starting a church from scratch, I think a lot of guys expect that they're going to be able to raise just as much money as they need. 
Um, and really, in all actuality, it's really hard for churches to support a stateside church planner. I don't know if they just don't see the need. Um, they look at America as you know a Christian nation, or they see a church planner as somebody who can go out and get a job, and mm-hmm. like a foreign missionary can't. Um, would I have loved to have been able to dedicate, you know, all of my time to uh, establishing an independent Baptist church in this area? Absolutely. But at the end of the day. Um, I have a family. Um, I have a group of people that, for the most part, up until recently, would not have been able to support me even close to as much as I need. And right now, the church did give me a a pretty substantial raise going into this year, which is a blessing. But I'm still... more than 30,000 less than the median income in our, in our town. So it's just a very expensive area to to live and minister. And so I'm grateful for all that God has done. Um, but I, I don't know that, I don't know that I've ever learned everything that I need to do. I just go one day at a time and just let God lead. Um, I just, I'm kind of weird in the fact that I, I changed my prayer life a few years ago from um, praying for my will to just, Lord, I, I want your will to be done, and I want you to open up the doors that we need to walk through and show me where we need to go and what we need to do. And and I really, I've done my best, and I know we should pray specifically, but I've done my best over the last several years to just pray that that I would just die to self, that I would allow his will to be the focal point of my life, and that I would st- Stop asking him for things that I wanted. Um, and and really, since I started praying that way, things have just changed so dramatically. And, um, you know, we, I don't know how many people we had yesterday. I don't really, I mean, we have somebody who takes account. I don't ask. Um, I, I found that numbers for me can be two things. I can either get proud or I can get discouraged. And really, there's not much in between. Right. <laughs> and so I just do my best to just minister to who's there. I know that we had people out, people sick, people gone. Uh, it was, we were down about 10 or 15 people uh, in the auditorium, you know. So when you have days like that, if you just want God's will, it helps. Sure. Then saying, you know, I need to have a certain number of people. We need to have a certain number of an offering. Uh, we need to have, you know, it, there's far too much that we put stock in that we can't do anything about. It's God that gives the increase. Mm-hmm. Um, we can sow and we can go out to reap, but we can't reap what's not been sown. So we got to focus on sowing and we also can't reap what's not grown. Mm-hmm. You know, the sower went forth to sow and he cast some on the, on the stony ground. Some went on shallow ground, some went in good ground. Uh, point of the matter is some of it didn't grow up and right. you know, we're going to just cast out seed wherever we can. And not be demographic about our, our church focus. Uh, a lot of people get too demographical. We just want to be doctrinal. Uh, we're not trying to reach a certain kind of person. We're just trying to reach people. Sure. And uh, the Lord has blessed. And the people that he has um, brought into Foundation Baptist Church are just phenomenal. And he's done it. You know, I've, I've not been a overly good pastor. I'm not a guy that follows up on people a ton of times. I, I don't. I don't beg anybody to come to our church. I feel God's big enough. He's He's strong enough. He can put people there. By the way, I don't. I don't want somebody that's coming from another church um, that left there disgruntled to come in and bring a bad spirit. Um, maybe that's just. Um, 
being short-sighted that, but I, I found out something. It, one, some, one of the things that I did understand and that I do know now is that I'm not God's gift to anybody and that I'm not a better pastor than the last one that they had, you know? And I think a lot of us as young guys, we think, oh, this person came out of a bad situation. They're going to come into this one. It's going to be right. perfect for them. And I'm going to be a better pastor to them. And guess what? You're not, you know, you're, you're human too. And, you know, quick story there's a lady that that in our church um she's over 80 years old she's our piano player she fell on ice broke her arm got a concussion went into a rehab center well she got out on friday i mentioned on sunday she was in the rehab center i had communicated i thought with her some between then i had texted her once and she goes i'm sorry but she texted me back when i was already at church and she goes i'm sorry but i I forgot to tell you that i was home so i'm up there telling everybody please pray for miss doris she's you know she's in the rehab center and and i got like six people out there shaking their head at me you know like they knew that she was out and i didn't i said man you guys are killing me you know i'm supposed to know all these things i'm supposed to be a good shepherd the point of the matter is we all fall short we all dropped the ball and i felt bad but you know she didn't feel bad she felt bad that she didn't let me know you know and and it's just one of those things where you know saturday i had a really busy day and i wasn't able to to contact her and find out where she was or how she was doing and i felt bad because as a pastor you're supposed to know everything about everybody Uh, but you sometimes don't and so i just you know I, i looked at my song leader and i said well uh, that that made me look really stupid right there, and uh, he just kind of smiled and shook his head, yes, and um, <laughs> got up and led the scene. So you just you just roll with it. And one thing that I've learned also that I think kind of it's not an epiphany moment <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. One of the things that I learned is um, I'm going to have to be myself. I'm I'm not a guy that's able to put on a show very well. Everybody reads me like a book. Um, I've got some folks in the church that want us to go live stream and uh, I'm scared because I am just me and and I'm going to say dumb things and you can't rewind it when you're on live stream. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of resistant to that. I'm, I'm like, well, why don't we just video? You're on a a slippery slope coming on here, man. You're on a slippery slope. (laughs) Well, I'm talking, I'm talking about all my failures right now. My people might watch this later. Who knows? Um, But the point of the matter is I, I want, I want to be more polished. I want to grow, but I'm, I'm going to put forth the effort to do it, but, sure. but I'm, but I'm also going to understand where I'm at and my shortcomings. Sure. And, and I've kind of just grown to learn that that's who I am. And I want to grow from here, but I also know that if I put too much pressure on myself to be something that I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be frustrated all the time. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to come across as fake and mm-hmm. I don't do that either. So right. it's a, it's a, it's not a win-win. It might be a lose-lose. Sure. Lose. sure. Um, but, but I've just found out that the Lord is bigger than me, and he can do a lot of things through my failures. And my wife told me a long time ago, don't try to tell jokes, you know, because you're not funny when you try to be funny. She said, you can be funny on your own, in your own way, without without trying to tell a joke because you can't tell a joke to save your life. And it's true. So I've learned to listen to my wife too. I think that's one of the things about being teachable. Um, Your wife has your best interest in mind Mm -hmm. almost, almost all the time. It's very rare that she would not tell you something to help you. Even if it comes across as, you know, 
somewhat snippy, mm-hmm. um, which my wife is never that, of course. Um, even if she comes across as a little bit harsh, she's doing it for your best interest. And right. so uh, a man that won't listen to his wife is stupid because she was willing to give you her life and take your name and bear your children and give up her life to live yours. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare um, not listen to what she has to say to you because it, it's needful. Sure. She wouldn't say it unless she felt like you needed to hear it. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, some women may, but not my wife. My wife doesn't, my wife doesn't mince words and she doesn't, she doesn't hold back when she needs to say something. Um, but she also, um, she's not a chatterbox. She says sure. what she needs to say when she needs to say it. And so I know that, that I value her words. Right. Now, because there's another topic I wanted to get to because because you brought it up, Um, social media and its usage and all that are are near and dear to me for a couple of reasons. Obviously, I'm using them right now um, to to host this. Uh, But as far as live stream and for anyone that might listen to and because we're having a conversation, I would say probably what I said before we started when when we were talking about I said above all else, I want authenticity. That's that's what I'm personally looking for, because I, I'm looking for us to have a really a one on one conversation that, yes, happens to be public. Um, I found in, and in listening to some who are I guess you say experts in this space who, who have no skin in the game of whether I do something or not. Um, it, authenticity definitely is a buzzword, just like, you know, being on the journey is and all that stuff. But it's so true in this day and age with social media and all of that. It is so easy to tell when someone isn't themselves that a lot of times if you're just if you're just true, if it, even if it's unpolished and all that, it's it, it it strikes a chord with people because it's true. It's who you actually are, because if they want to watch um, something fake, they can watch The Bachelor. They can watch every other reality show and get that. But for real, you can't you can't beat that. But what, what I wanted to get to was the question, when did you really you're 10, 10 years in now? When did you change the mindset or did you have the mindset from the beginning of this is not a sprint? This is a marathon. When did you think because you talked about you thought it was going to raise money really quickly and it was going to you know guns blazing? When did you realize that I might be here? Well, God willing, 40 years, if he allows me to. And I want my pinnacle to be at 40 year mark, not five years in and then all down here, all downhill from there. When did you make that switch? I think I knew that from the start. Okay. Um, I really felt like we were coming here for life. Um, and honestly, times when we were here and struggling and other opportunities would kind of come up, um, I, I, I would contemplate them. And my wife, again, was very solid. You know, she here she is living in a rental, uh, no sight of having her own home. Um, you know, we're meeting in rented spaces. Um barely making ends meet sometimes feeling like we're going more into debt than we are getting ahead um but she just kept challenging me with the fact that god called us here did god call us here did he call us someplace else and we started out with the plan of just coming here and going and just staying um really for life i've I've never really started anything I don't think I've ever started anything in life that I didn't believe that I was just going to continue doing until it was done. And I don't know that 
I don't know that this will be the only church I'll ever pastor, but that's my feelings right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we just bought a house after being in the area for um, almost nine years. Uh, we bought a house and we, we, we wanted to place roots. We want we want to be here. We want our people to know that we're here. You know, I, I want, I want people to know that, that I'm not looking over the fence. I'm not trying to find some place else to go. Um, I don't care how hard it is. God called us here and God knows exactly where we are, exactly what we need, exactly, um, how he's going to provide for a need. If it's God's will, it's God. And if we don't believe that, then who are we serving? Mm-hmm. I think too many times in ministry, we try to serve self rather than serve God. And uh, we're trying to get ahead or we're trying to climb the next rung of the ladder. That's not ministry. That's right. not help. That's trying to help self. And right. um, I, I don't, I don't have any desire and, and maybe it's just growing up in the ministry, growing up with my dad in, in, in the pastorate. I don't have any desire to always be looking for something else. We live in a society that's never satisfied, never content. And I'm not saying we should be content with where we are, um, that we should always try to grow. But we always should be content with God, con- content with where he has us, content with such things as we have. Um, whatsoever state we're in, there with be content. Um, it's It's time for many of us to just say, okay, God knows exactly where I am. He called me here. He put me here. He's not taken aback by my situation. Um, we've never gone hungry. We've never not paid our bills. Um, there've been times when it's been tough and it's been tight, but God has always been faithful. And that's not been because we're just awesome people. We just have confidence in an awesome God. You know, the, the bigger your God, the smaller your problems, the smaller your God, the bigger your problems. And we've just mm-hmm. decided to try to see God as big because he is big. And, and, and it's out. my wife always calls me a worry wart because I'll just be honest. I, I'm there with anybody else. I struggle at times to uh, have confidence that everything's going to work out. But anytime that I start to worry, she goes, come on. God. You know? And she'll say stuff like, oh, yeah, I guess God can't handle it, huh? Right. Really challenges me and helps me in, the, in those ways. And, and it's, been, it's been fantastic to just watch what God has done. Um, we started here and... If we can finish here, we'll be happy. You know, I, I've never, my wife, my wife moved around a, a ton when she was a kid. Um, you know, they always lived in rentals until she was in high school. And she went to like 13 different schools growing up. And so she never really had the consistency rental. Um, I, I told you last week that Jay Reed rented us his house for about eight years. Yeah from Illinois to Georgia, you know, he didn't sell his house. And so we rented it, but you know, that was the longest she'd ever lived in any place in her life. And so, you know, it was consistent for the first time, really for her, for, you know, we had, we'd always moved at least once every couple of years before. So we feel like, you know, we want our, we want our kids to know that this is home. And home is, you know, home is where God's will is. You know, if God, if God calls me away tomorrow, I want to be willing to listen. You know, I've always kind of, here's my worrying again. I've kind of always thought that, man, you know, hopefully God will let us stay here, you know, for all these years. But I've also thought, man, once we finally get everything up and running and everything's going pretty good, then it's like God's going to call me away. And I'm going to be frustrated because, man, I was, I, I struggled so much. And here we finally got, but God's, 
God's the master. He's the Lord. If he wants me to go someplace else, he'll make it very clear. And he'll also, I believe, um, change change us to accept that. But we're not planning on going anywhere. Sure. I'm excited about what I'm excited about what he's doing, and I'm I'm not. I'm not looking to leave. So excited about, you know, we, we bought a building at the end of 2015. Um, Jehovah Jireh Ministries, a great, fantastic ministry that helps church plants. Has to be your first auditorium that you're working on uh, or your first building that you're, that you're buying um, for them to help you. But they gave us a $50,000 grant. And then God just out of nowhere um, dropped us. Um, to this point, um, there, there's just a, I don't know who they are. They're just some, um, some donors that have a fund with, uh, Goldman Sachs philanthropy fund. And they've sent us $70,000 over the last like three years. Um, and, wow. and God's just been so good. I mean, and, and honestly, the reason, the reason why they said they sent it to us is because we stood firm, the King James, we continued to be a traditional church. So if you ever want to like, you know, think about whether or not we should change and maybe things will be better if we go a different direction. Um, understand that God knows where you're at and he knows what he can do for you. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And so I'm just grateful for how he has continued to confirm in my heart that I don't need to find a different path. I just need to continue down the same one. And um, yeah. the thing's the same as we've been taught. And it's been, it's been exciting to me to just watch as he has provided, um, not because of the money that we got, um, per se, but I mean, it did help, but we paid our building off in 25 months. We renovated our building to the tune of $75,000 and we bankrolled the rest of it that didn't get given to us by um, Jehovah Jireh. I mean, the Lord has just done great things for us wherever we are glad. And that's our theme this year is great things. And that's our theme verse. He's done great things. We're glad. And, but we also know that great things he hath done, great things he will do. Great things he had taught us, great things he had done, and great our rejoicing. And we're looking forward to more great things. And so 10 years, um, is it an accomplishment per se? Um, it's chocolate to the grace of God. And sure. I'm thankful that he has allowed us to watch him work and just work through us, even though we're um, really unprofitable servants. Um, we've done with our duty to do. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to go more and do more. Being bivocational um, slows you down a little bit. And I think that um, I think that there is a need for young men and ladies that have come out of Bible college that don't have a place to serve uh, to not stay in a big church um, unless they go home to their home church. I think they ought to find a small church to go and serve in and labor in where they can make a difference and not stay at the college church. I know mm -hmm. that that's not always a popular opinion um, because the college is invested in them. They feel like, sure. well, if you're not going to go anywhere in ministry, maybe you ought to stay here and, and give back to the ministry that's invested in you. But they've invested in them to go out and serve. And I feel like some of the best preachers that I know served as a volunteer before they became um, 
full time. And, right. and God blessed that. I, I watched Marty Montgomery worked for us for, for four years for free. I say worked. I mean, he, he worked a job and, and really just served in the church like it, like, like a, like a, like a normal, um, church member. I mean, he, he led singing, he taught the teen class. Um, he, he helped to head up the soul winning, but he didn't do a lot more than what a normal, I say normal, it sounds bad. Um, the layman would do, but, but he was, he was in the ministry and a lot of people gave him a hard time because he wasn't in the ministry, but he was. Mm-hmm. And, um, I watched him leave here, go to Springfield, start a church several years ago. The Lord gave him a building from the start that they're paying. They're hopefully going to pay off within the next five years. Um, he's, he's seen the Lord bless in really fantastic ways. And I believe it's because he was willing to labor and give, um, with no expectation of return while he was here. Right. And I believe that God has blessed that you reap what you sow. Right. And, and some, I want to preface the, the conversation with uh, timely. Now I feel like, and maybe you can remark on this. I feel like I've heard, I hear so many stories and, and I've known so many guys that the heroes of the faith for the last 30, 40, 50 years that you and I would both know names of that tell us stories about just going to a place and starting a church, like no deputation, no support. They just show up and God let it happen, made it happen, let it happen and all of that. But I haven't heard any of those stories in the last 15 years, from the last 15 years, for the most part. Now, now you mentioned you, you never got over a 30 year sport. So if there's, you know, if we're, you know, apples and apples, it's pretty close. But as far as people just, and it, but now I feel like we're in a different mind frame that you, you need to have, you know, the two, three year, four years of support, get your 100% launch out, which I'm not saying is a foolish thing. I'm not saying that's a dumb thing to do. But what what changed did did the god in the 70s speak differently or are we not well because i I think one of two things either i'll tell you what changed go ahead can i tell you what changed yeah uh we we live in a post-christian nation now Hmm. Hmm. um in in the 60s and 70s a lot of people were raised with moral values with christianity as their as their background um since the hippie era um more and more people were raised with no biblical background. Sure. And so 80%, 80% of people do not have a meaningful relationship with any type of church. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that was the same in those days. I think okay. that there was a lot more of a Christian value in the nation. I also believe that things were cheaper. Sure. That, that, that is absolutely um, it was a true. Normal, it was a normal thing for only one person to work in the 60s and 70s. Um mm-hmm. Fast forward into the 70s, 80s, 90s, it became very much more needful uh, based on the economy for a two-person, two people in a family to work to make ends meet. It's the double income. And unfortunately, that has driven up the price of what we do. Mm Rent rent in this area is like two grand for a house or more. Um, The... Taxes. My taxes this past year were almost seven grand. You take that into consideration. You tell me how you're going to make that up in a monthly basis. Right. You know, an extra six hundred dollars a month. How do you how do you come up with an extra six hundred dollars a month just for taxes? Right. You know, plus utilities, plus food. Food is astronomical. Um, there's gasoline is more expensive. I know that there were times when it was high in, in the in the seventies, um, but I think that. 
what do you do? I mean, you just go forward where you are when, right. when you are uh, for right. such a time as this. I don't, I, I don't know that ministry has ever been easy. Sure. I think that, I think that there's always been challenges. Mm-hmm. I do believe that, I do believe that you can still go out and start from scratch, but mm-hmm. we have people that really expect nicer buildings these days. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds terrible, but you can go in the mission field and start a church under a tree, even today. Mm-hmm. I know I know of missionaries who do. Mm-hmm. Um, just to rent a school for four hours on a weekend in this area, $1,600 a month. Mm-hmm. You're talking about four hours. You don't get a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night. You get Sunday morning for four hours, and you fit what you can in there. It's sixteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. Uh, it's ridiculous, uh, but at the same time, um, gone. Not not necessarily gone are the days, but gone are the days when you can get something for almost next to nothing. Right. And, and I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's challenging anymore now than it was then. Right. I just believe that there's a reason for it. And I also believe that the team method works good. Mm-hmm. If I had it to do over again, I'd try to find a core group, a, a group of people that are willing to tithe and give uh, to the ministry from, from day one. Our, our, our offerings for the first several months were mostly my income giving to the Lord. I mean, it, it was really, there's there was not a whole lot more. I think we had one couple that was given like $40 a week. We had another lady that would give about 20 to $50 a week. And then it was my, my tithes and offerings and, and a little bit here and there from visitors that would pop in and praise the Lord for churches that helped to support us. Um, Northwest Bible Baptist church gave us $700 a month for our rent for two years. And that, Honestly, we would not have we would not have made it um, if we had not had the help that we had. Um, and then uh, also Northwest allowed us to live at the college for one year and married housing. So we had three rooms at the back of the college that we lived in. Honestly, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't know if if I had it to do all over again, would I have raised more money? Maybe. But. The past is the past. Let's just roll. Right. You know, right. I right. can't change anything about that. If I had it to do over again, what would I do? I mean, that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm not looking at leaving, but I am looking at the possibility of helping to start other churches in the Chicago land area. Mm-hmm. You know, we put our building off. Um, I, I, I want to be able to take and, and use as much money as we can towards church planning in the future. And I, and I don't want to. I don't want to hurt what we have going on here to do that. But at the same time, with no risk, there's nothing accomplished. Right. And so uh, there's a need, such mm-hmm. a huge need. I'm shocked at the number of towns that have 40, 50,000 people that no gospel witness, really. I mean, they, there might be somebody there that's maybe telling the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for people. But as far as a doctrinal church, they have nothing. Right. It's, it's scary because you're talking millions of people that are on their way to hell. And seemingly most churches in America don't care. Right. That, that sounds, that sounds harsh, but when we were trying to raise funds, had a hard time getting anybody in the, in the state of Illinois to even give us any money to go to Chicagoland. You know, hmm. if if Illinois doesn't know that Chicago's got a problem, then why <laughs> should the rest of the nation care? 
But I'm, right. I'm being honest. Why should the rest right. of the nation care? I mean, Illinoisans know that all the problems in the rest of the state usually stem from Chicago politics and, and, and a lot of the issues that come out of this area. If they weren't willing to invest in a church plant, then who is? And, and that sounds that sounds maybe a little bit... Um, a little bit pointed, but I had a tough time finding churches in Illinois that wanted to get behind us financially. They said, well, we're praying for you. And I, and I appreciate it. We needed every prayer that we got and I, we still need every prayer that we get. Um, but it would have been nice to have a bunch of them that would have said, you know what we need, we need to do something so that Chicagoland doesn't go to hell. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that maybe is frustration kicking in and talking right there. Uh, I'm not frustrated anymore, but boy, I was frustrated for quite a while when it was like, why does anybody care if we start churches? Right. It's just because it's not inner city, you know, because it's a, a well-to-do area because these people are moral, you know, because we have Willow Creek community church and harvest Bible chapel, you know, right. say what you want to say, but I, I, I minister in this area and Willow Creek has a, a ton of people that are lost that go there. And I talk to them all the time. And you know what they tell me? I say, so when did you get saved? And they say, well, we're still in the exploratory stage. We're still trying to figure out who God is. And how long have you gone there? Like seven, eight, nine, ten years. I can't imagine somebody going to church for ten years and not knowing who Jesus is to them and how he's become their savior. It, to me, it's just shocking. Right. And so well, I might have some people that are upset with me that watch this, but hey, it's okay. It's all it's all right. It, the 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 need obviously is is huge, and and something that I've, I've been mulling over and, and thinking about. Um, I've heard it wisely put that a lot of times it's not it's not an issue with your income. It's an issue with your bills and a lot of time and what what style of living that you that you desire to have. And a lot of a lot of these guys, they equate it to not necessarily spiritual guys equate it to, you know, you if you're miserable making eighty thousand dollars a year and you have a job that you can be happy at making forty five thousand dollars a year, you're a fool to just keep making eighty thousand dollars a year. If you can be happy, apply that to ministry. If you if you believe you're called by God. And you have a passion for ministry. And I think this harkens back to what you were saying about um, just getting involved and getting plugged in. If you are happy in the center of God's will, peace in the center of God's will, making this many dollars a week, doing what God called you to do, then you might want to consider that. Because and now it, it's a very individualistic thing. I understand that. Do what God wants you to do. They're going to um, have to make they're going to have to make money somehow to, to provide sure. for the families. I, right. I don't, I don't, I right. don't expect anybody to come. I, I would expect anybody to come here and work for us and, and honestly just donate their time if they weren't even able to find a job. I mean, we're going to have sure. to, we're going right. to have to provide right. for our families, but I do believe that it would be hoove uh, any young man that's not got a position to serve in. I mean, I, I went back and worked at, at Central Baptist uh, with no place to live, you know, no income. And did I pay my way through Bible college? Yes. So mm-hmm. I paid those bills. And I know that everybody says that they paid their way for their degree. They should get paid as soon as they come out. There's not enough ministry jobs available with pay um, for the young men coming out that have no experience. I'm just being honest. You have, you have experience only in Bible college you need to probably find a place to, to get plugged in. And that can right. be at a, at a large church, but a lot of times at a large church, they've already got people filling the needs and the roles that you could play elsewhere. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important for a young man to say, where does God want me? Not where does my budget want me? Where does my, you know, my current situation keep me? Um, where, where would God want me to serve? And in what way could I serve? Because ministry is service. Right. The greatest among you, let him be your servant. Jesus was homeless. I know that nobody likes to talk about that. Jesus did not have a place to lay his head. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Now, he, he had places to stay. He had mm-hmm. friends to stay with. But Jesus didn't have uh, a focus of his income going towards his earthly needs. He had a garment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had disciples, and they had enough money to, to eat a lot of times. And he would perform miracles so that other people could eat around them. You know, and I know right. we can't perform miracles, but at the same time, we've got the same God. We've got mm-hmm. the same God. We've got the same God that jo- Joshua had when the sun stood still. We've got the same God that David had when Goliath fell. We have the same God that um, Daniel had in, in the den of lions. God hasn't changed. I'm the Lord, I change not. So right. if he hasn't changed, who's changed? Right. Yep. You know, did Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, did those guys have a salary? Did somebody pay them some to do what they did? Mm-hmm. You know, Paul was a tent maker. He said, you should have supported me, but when you didn't, I, 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 did, I was not chargeable unto you. And this I did for the gospel's sake. So since when did we become professionals? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why do preachers, I mean, yeah, that's what the world looks at us as, as, as professionals. And honestly, once you've been in it for a while and, and the Lord's blessed and you're able to make some, some money um, serving others, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. I don't have any problem with a man that, that makes enough money to live in the area that he ministers in. You know, what, why, why, would I, why would I not want the best for him mm-hmm. or the best for my family? Uh, but at the same time, we didn't come here with that expectation. We came here with the expectation to serve, to give, not to be given to. Jesus said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom, um, our job is not to be taken care of. Our job is to take care of others. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our role. Um, should they minister to us in carnal things as we minister to them in spiritual things? Absolutely. Uh, I, would, I would never say that a church should not take care of its pastor. I believe a pastor should be taken care of just as well as anybody else in the church. And, and maybe that sounds bad. But that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, he has given of himself to minister to them, and they should also give of themselves to minister to him. But at the same time, that's not why we went in the ministry. And if that's why you went in the ministry, you went in the ministry for the wrong reason. We're not professionals. We're servants. Right. And I, I like to tell my people this. If I'm a servant of the servant of all, then I'm a pretty low servant. Jesus made himself the servant of all. And if I'm servant of him, then I'm, I'm, I'm just a servant of a servant. There's nothing special about me. And um, there's nothing special about any of us except for what God's done for us. And so it's it's been good. I, I was talking to another preacher not that long ago, and he said he thinks it was really good that God let him struggle early on in his ministry because he was too proud. And I believe the same thing for myself. I don't know that I was thought I was proud. I don't think any of us think we're proud. But I think that a lot of us have an expectation that God's going to do something great with me, hmm. because man, look at look at my look at my upbringing. Look where I've come from. Look what I've done. Look at the places I've gone. This is the college that I went to. You know, these are the people that have I've rubbed shoulders with. You know, God's really going to do something with me. God doesn't have to do anything with any of us. It's a it's a blessing. It's it's mercy. It's grace that He does 
as anything with any of us. And so I am grateful for what he's done for me. And I, I, I'll be honest that the longer I'm in it, the more I expect nothing because I've learned really to try to be content. And does that mean I'm not going to um, receive a, a raise from my people? No, that doesn't mean that because my family still needs to be taken care of. Does that mean that I'm not going to want to be full-time in ministry at some point in my life? I'd love to be. I'd love to be. Um, but I'm also not going to hurt my family um, on a financial level just because I have to I have to have that status of I'm full-time now. Right. Um, I've tried that before. I've been there a couple times. We've already I've, I've quit jobs before thinking that I was just going to be able to be full-time and, and God has other plans. And so we just need to follow him and trust him because he's, he's in control. Yeah. And yeah. he holds tomorrow and he's yeah. already in tomorrow. He's eternal. So. Amen. Now, what are some thoughts or, or um, and I mentioned it to you in, in private, I'm outside looking into to some degree um, on, on the issue of being bivocational for guys that are doing it right now that haven't maybe haven't been doing it as long as, as you have, or guys that, I just have don't maybe what are some things that would not occur to me that should or or that that are needful for other people to to, to maybe have an, have an understanding of um i've worked several different jobs mm-hmm. as a pastor the first job that i worked i was uh overnights at a hotel um i worked third shift as a night auditor i did that for 20 months um, I did teach at Providence Baptist College for five semesters. I'm not sure they didn't need me anymore. Um, the uh, I, I worked landscaping. I worked as an occupancy inspector. Uh, drove hundreds of miles a day and didn't make enough money doing that. Um, really, just it, it hurt my family. Really, um, it hurt my hurt my ministry. You know, 40, 50 hours a week um, driving around and taking pictures of houses that. Um, you know, didn't pay enough. Um, and then for the last five years, uh, or four, four plus years, I've been a, a school bus driver and, uh, it's been the best second job that I've got, but I still work 32 plus hour week. Um, so people that think by vocational ministry is just, it's easy to do. Don't understand the time crunch. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a wife, I've got four, almost five children. Um, got a church to pastor and people to minister to and i'm working 32 hours a week as a bus driver um does it work conveniently because it's early mornings yes but the mid-afternoon does not work conveniently for anybody Mm -hmm. um but in order to be a bus driver you have to work both schedules and so the it's a split shift you have the middle part of your day from say 9 30 to 1 30 to do ministry things but um trying to fit in six seven eight hours of ministry and four while also ministering to your family and 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 doing business that you know i mean you're you're in ministry you understand the the constraints of time and what that all entails uh it it it's maybe i don't want to say it's hard uh because that that that's what i do is probably way easier than somebody on a foreign field really who i mean i I, i've i've learned recently of how much money people spend on just visas and stuff on a normal basis on the mission field. And I go, wow, how in the world do you do that? So there's, there's, there's a lot of more, everywhere is difficult. Every type of ministry is, 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 is serving. And, uh, we're not suffering. I mean, 
if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. And so maybe, maybe we want to be suffering. Yeah. But at the same time, um, we're not really suffering when it comes down to it. We're, we're not we're not fighting some of the battles that people have fought over the years. I'm not saying that those battles aren't away. I know that America is becoming more and more socialistic and antagonistic toward the gospel and the truth of the word of God. Um, but God has been good. Is it is it a challenge? Sure. And time management is probably my biggest problem. I've I, I got to get better at it. But also at the same time, after doing this for about 10 years, I've kind of figured out how I can, how I minister and how I can help people. And uh, my people are very gracious. You know, if, if I'm driving a bus, they, they understand. And I'm driving the bus so that I can be here to pastor them. And I believe that they see that as a investment in them. It's not just that I'm taking care of my family. It's I'm invested in the church. And so it, it does change the dynamic of what we can do. It's not like I can just drop everything and go, you know, make a hospital visit because somebody called me. You know, I, I have I have a guy to keep that is not just a church schedule. And um, I think a lot of people, when they look at investing in church planners, they don't take any consideration um, – that really this church plan is going to do exactly what they're doing in their ministry. And at the same time, have to try to make up another four that maybe, maybe, maybe it's because some people are in rural areas and they just don't understand what it, what it takes to do church ministry in a urban area. Um, Some people would say, well, you know, you make, a lot of money, you know, your church taking care of you, but it's 30,000 less than the, the median income in our area that that the church pays me. So I've got to make up that difference. There's, there's, there's still the cost of living. And so, um, we do our best to live frugally and cheaply. Um, you know, but I do have four children and I have a couple of kids in a Christian school. Christian school is a blessing. Um, they, they give us a, a, a good, great because I'm a pastor kids go to Northwest and Elgin. They've been a huge blessing to us, but at the same time, it's, it's not free and nothing's free. You know, everything, everything costs money. And so ministry ministry doesn't really cost. It pays, it pays to serve Jesus. It really does. Uh, But at the same time you do invest and, Mm -hmm we realize that our investment is eternal uh, mm-hmm. more so than temporal. And at times we have to be okay with the temporal investment, understanding that it may not pay a lot of dividends in this life. And I'm okay with that. But I, I want to know that, that God has been um, pleased in my service. And I want, I want to know that someday those that have invested in our ministry will also receive an eternal reward. And I had somebody that wrote me a letter one time and it wasn't, it was kind of harsh. And I wrote him back and I said, I'm sorry that we've not been what you wanted us, that we haven't uh, accomplished as much as you thought we should have accomplished at this point. I said, and I appreciate your investment in our ministry. And I, I can't wait till someday you can get an eternal reward because I don't want to, but someday eternity awaits. And I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Well, 
on that note, speaking of higher things, um, I think that we are sitting right on close to an hour or so. And um, for those that have followed along at all, my, my wife actually is uh, starting radiation today uh, for the uh, the remainder of the tumor. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, everyone that knows anything about with the type of radiation, all that say, it's not a piece of cake, but the hardest thing to some degree is the daily grind of just going every day and all that stuff. So continue to appreciate people's prayers, those that are listening in. Um, but we have that appointment here shortly. And so I kind of have a heart out, but brother Houston, I greatly appreciate the time. Um, speaking of working 32 hours a day, just add an extra hour to your weekly schedule here. Uh, well, subtract an hour from your schedule. So I appreciate that, but I hope um, some of what was said was a help um, to guys coming out of Bible college, guys that are in ministry, whether bivocational or not, uh, guys that are grinding for the Lord. And uh, I appreciate it, man, and I uh, appreciate your friendship. And uh, any any last words as we uh, head on out the door? I do before I, before we get off. I just want sure. to say it's it's been a blessing to serve God. I don't Amen. want anybody to hear this and think that I'm complaining. I'm not complaining. Uh, God's been so good. And uh, in my wildest imagination, I, I would not have dreamed what all God has done um, with so little. Uh, it's one thing to start out with a lot and, and to maintain a lot. It's one thing to start out with nothing and and really just continue to maintain a lot of nothing, but see what God does in, in the circumstances. You know, when I went to pay off the building for the, the church, um, the, the banker gave us our time getting a loan, um, you know, two years before. <laughs> We jumped through all the hoops. We did everything they told us to do. And he said, no. And I said, you can't tell me no. We did everything you told us to do. Um, and he said, well, you just don't have enough uh, contributors, uh, month, you know, monthly, weekly contributors at your church. You just don't have enough people. And if your top three or four givers, any of them decide to leave, you're, you're sunk. I said, well, this is what you don't understand. I said, God is the one who sustains churches. I said, maybe you don't understand that. Well, I went back in to pay the bill off, and I got to write about a $100,000 check to him to pay the building off. And I said, remember what I told you that God sustains churches and, and people don't? He goes, yeah, I remember that. I said, I just want you to know it's real. And so I have been so grateful to see what God has done. It's not the people that he, that he sends us, although people matter. But it's God, and we want to live to please God. And so um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to sound like I was complaining at all. I'm, I'm very content. I'm very happy with what God has done for us. And so um, I just want more people to jump in because the water is fine, even if it doesn't right. seem like it's okay. Even though it seems like you, there's not going to be enough money to make ends meet, we've got a big God. And uh, please get in ministry. Don't don't waste your life. Minister. Ministry is ministering, Great. and it's serving, and it's giving. And I, I'm I'm grateful that you had me on. I appreciate Amen. the time. Amen. I'm, I'll butcher the verse, uh, just a phrase of it. They that launch out into the deep waters from Book of Psalms. And I was talking to Pastor Grimaldi about it. When you, I heard a message from that passage, those that launch out, they come back and they have some great stories. But the guys that are sitting on the dock, they wish they had those stories, but they never will until they get in the boat, set the sail and get going. So I, I love that. Sure. A great way to end it. Just get out there. I mean, what's, what happens? You drown, you get to heaven. That, that's about the worst that happens. So it's all good. Or you're fixing tractors for the rest of your life. But it's all good. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'm going to do something fun just because if you message me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Micah McCurry, mention the episode 7 Easter egg, the first one or two people that message me We'll get something cool. I don't know, maybe an Amazon gift card or something like that. 
But just because you've been a loyal listener, I appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoy the next episode coming out very soon. Thank you and God bless.